Um, at the moment, we are uh, looking at the Gospel of Mark, especially uh, more Gospel-centered passages in the morning and the book of Jonah in the evening. We're not going to do Jonah tonight, but Mark's Gospel, uh, because a few Sundays ago, we were in Mark chapter 11, where, if you remember, Jesus cursed the fig tree outside of Bethany, and his disciples were asking about it. And Jesus' answer, uh, which we read tonight, was Mark eleven twenty two: have faith in God. Now, in the mornings, we're going through Mark's gospel, and we're not going through everything on purpose, because we're trying to concentrate on the more evangelistic passages. And I applied have faith in God at its most basic, which is we are to believe in Jesus Christ as our saviour. But if we want to be specific with Jesus's statements in these verses about faith in God, he's not so much talking about saving faith, but about a special gift of faith, which is linked to prayer. So the verse I want us to concentrate on tonight, so this is part of our series in Mark's Gospel, but I can't deal with it in the morning, and it's something that you rarely hear about these days, and yet it is so important, I dare not uh, neglect it. So verse 24, verse 24, Therefore I say to you, this is what he means by have faith in God here now. Not just believe in Jesus Christ and be saved, but whatever things you ask when you pray, believe, there it is, that special faith, that you receive them and you will have them. Now, our forefathers would have called that not normal prayer, but a special prayer of faith. That's what I want to look at uh, hopefully briefly tonight before we come to communion, the prayer of faith. And then uh, in other parts of the Gospels, you have more detail. So the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Uh, those of you who are older will remember Elwyn Davis, and this was his great theme from the Gospel of John, and he was going to write a book about it, but alas, he didn't manage uh, but in chapter 14, uh, verse 13, uh, you've got these words. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Isn't that astounding? And then uh, the chapter we read, chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you. And then uh, chapter 16 of John. Uh, these are some of the most sublime words of Jesus Christ. We're dealing here with deep spiritual things. Uh, Chapter 16, uh, verse 23, if I can understand my handwriting, verse 23. And in that day you will ask me nothing, most assuredly, 
I tell you the truth, amen, amen, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And then 1 John, the same author, 1 John, chapter 5. One John chapter five, verses fourteen and fifteen. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Now, why am I calling this special prayer? Well, for a very good reason. Whatever you ask, he will give you. Now, that's not true, is it, of most of our praying. But it is possible to know specific prayer where we have had that assurance and that answer. So I'm not thinking now of this prayer of faith as the norm. It is something special. So let's just try and open this up uh, it's not going to be an easy subject, but let's try and just explain some of these terms. Praying in Jesus' name. Somebody might rightfully say, Pastor, don't we do that anyway? Uh, when you lead us in prayer, you often say, we are coming, God, into your presence in the name, in the merits of Jesus Christ. We don't have a right of access in our own names. Well, of course, that's right. Uh, that's a general principle. When we're praying, we have an access. Uh, even if you're uh, lacking in confidence by temperament or you're struggling with doubts, the whole point is you're not resting in your own merits. We are coming in the name of Jesus Christ. And then there's that other statement in 1 John 5, asking according to his will, our Father's will. What does that mean? Uh, I came across this very useful illustration by Stuart Olliott. I think the men's reading group are going through something must be known and felt by Stuart Olliott. Well, I heard Stuart Olliott speak on this prayer of faith in November, and it just uh, moved me uh, to say something about it tonight. And Stuart gave this interesting example Praying in my name, Jesus says, and praying according to the will of my Father. Stuart says they're two uh, similar things. He gave this example. When he was a boy, they lived near a bakery. And his mum would send him to the bakery to get bread, fresh bread. And he would go to the baker and he would say, Mum says, could she have one small brown and two large whites, please? We don't do that now, do we? We go to Tesco's. <laughs> so Stuart, as a young lad, was making the request in his mother's name. But notice what he's doing. In using his mother's authority, my mum says, he's asking what his mum wants. He's asking according to his will. So there's a similarity, isn't there? When we pray in Jesus' name, it's not just trusting in his merits and not our own, but what we're really doing is trying to ask what Jesus or what our Heavenly Father would like us 
to uh, ask for. And uh, we know, don't we, that if we're praying according to the will of God, our prayers are to be uh, guided by the word of God. This is where we know uh, what uh, God is like. This is where we know what pleases God and what displeases him. And so I'm still now thinking of prayer in the normal sense. I haven't come to the prayer of faith, the special prayer here. So in the norm when we're praying, we're coming to the Father through Jesus, the Son, and we're seeking to pray according to the will of God. My friend, if you're praying now according to what God has revealed, you're on safe ground. Let me give you an example we know from the Bible that we are to pray thy kingdom come. What does that mean? It means that we are asking God to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. We're asking him that the gospel will go forward in this country, in other parts of the world. You're able to ask that with absolute confidence that in some way or other God will answer. In general now. What else can we pray according to his will? We can pray for salvation, uh, those who are near and dear to us. We can bring them again and again before God in a general sense as well as naming them specifically because God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. His judgment is his strange work. God's yearning is for the salvation of lost women, men, children. So we can pray for salvation. Jesus said or prayed, thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy word. So we're praying according to the will of God. If we're asking that the Lord would sanctify us, I don't recommend praying that because it means your life will get more difficult. But it's a good prayer. I do recommend it, but tongue in cheek, it's not an easy prayer. It's not an easy prayer. We can pray for the Holy Spirit. Do you, do you believe that? Jesus said, ask and it shall be given. Specifically, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more shall our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? I can be absolutely confident as a preacher that if I pray that God will anoint me, that he will do it. I can't dictate to God as to when and how, but his will is. That we, not just preachers, but you as a congregation, are to receive the Holy Spirit. But, I'm treading very carefully here now. I do not think that it is God's will always to physically heal a person. It is God's will to save a person. But I don't think we can put physical healing in the same category. It is not God's will... As I heard once, I think it was a prayer meeting here before my time, thankfully, to pray that your favourite football team would win <laughs> that evening, unless it's Everton. <laughs> but, uh, we, there are so many things, they are simply our wants, our desires. That's not to pray according to the will of God. Our prayers must be bound by the Scriptures. But notice what Jesus is saying here. I'll limit myself uh, in the verse in Mark 11, verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. And in another place, whatsoever you ask. 
So he's not thinking of generalities like salvation or the Spirit. He's mentioning here specific things. He's saying it is possible to pray for something specific and to know without a shadow of doubt that he's heard us and that he's going to answer us. That is the prayer of faith. Now, this is, this is a very mysterious area, and I've just got to be uh, very, very careful here. You know, I've come across so many Christians who've been psychologically damaged by this whole approach to the prayer of faith. Um, some people, I think, wrest the Scriptures out of their context when they say, ah, this is simple. What Jesus is saying here and in John is if you have enough faith, then you will be heard and your prayer will be answered. And so I've come across believers, poor people. They've been praying maybe that a friend of theirs will be healed and they've prayed and prayed about it and then the person hasn't been healed. Maybe the person has died and that's enough of a trauma to go through. But then a pastor will rebuke them and tell them, oh, if only you would have had more faith, they wouldn't have died. What a cruel thing to say. Now, my friends, Jesus isn't saying that. This is a special, given prayer. It's given. We'll come to that in a minute. Neither, I think, is he saying, you've got to kind of psych yourself up, you know? Uh, you've got to kind of persuade yourself. Uh, what do they call it in psychology? Autosuggestion. You, as long as you persuade yourself of something that it will happen, then it will come to pass. And some Christians spiritualize that. And they do that in terms of something they really want to come to pass. And all they're doing is psyching themselves up. That's not what the Lord Jesus is saying. You can have this prayer of faith when you're not expecting it. Often it comes to a person when they have been seeking God and wrestling in prayer. Now let me try and op open this up a bit. Um, I'm speaking as a preacher here. Right? As a preacher, I'm bound by the Word of God. I can't preach anything which is outside of the will of God. His will is in His Word. So even though I've got loads of interests uh, in politics, in culture, in this and that, my remit when I'm in this pulpit is to limit myself to the Word. So I've got to preach according to the will of God. But that doesn't mean that all I have to do is open up the Scriptures. What I have to do as well, and when you're praying for me in my study, this is one of the most important things you can pray for. In prayer, I'm asking the Lord, by His Spirit, to direct me. I'm asking that the Lord, by His Spirit, will give me messages so even though I'm preaching according to the will of God, that's only part of it. I'm praying that God would direct me by his spirits. And when I've been given a message, can I say this? I'd be sinning if I wasn't to deliver the message that the Lord had given me. That's how strong it is when you've been given something. This is personal, subjective. So even if the elders tell me that I've got to preach on something else, 
I have to say, no, I can't. Because God has given me this message. God can give a preacher not just specific texts. He can give a preacher series. And that's why as a church, we must be led of the spirits. I fear, you know, to be leading you according to the way I think you should be going. I sometimes fear we as an eldership uh, are trying to lead you. We're not, but I fear, if we're not careful, that we're trying to lead you in the way we think we should be going. Oh, no. It's Jesus Christ who's the head, and we need to know the mind of the Lord. So I can apply it in that way when it comes to preaching. Now, on a Wednesday night, I sometimes say, if you've noticed, please feel free to pray as the Holy Spirit directs you. So even though we've got these general principles as to pray within the will of God, there is still something subjective, and we're open to the leadings of the Spirit as to what God lays on our hearts. I think that's something to do with the prayer of faith. So, <laughs> think of our missionaries. We've got many missionaries. What a privilege to have many overseas working for the Lord. You can't meaningfully pray for all of them. Well, you can if that's a special burden you've been given. But normally, God will lay a certain person on your hearts. So in a public meeting, uh, you don't have to pray for everything that's been mentioned. You just pray, Lord, direct me as to what you want me to pray for if I am to pray out loud tonight. And then if he lays one person, one thing on your heart, you just pray that to be led by the Spirit. So we pray according to the will of God. This, in a general way, directs our prayers. But then we're looking to the Lord by his Spirit to direct us. But I still haven't come quite to this special prayer of faith yet. <laughs> because I think this special prayer of faith that the Lord Jesus is referring to in these verses is even more specific than that. Let's read him again. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, it's not just being directed by the Spirit in terms of what we pray for, but there's an assurance given. Believe that you will receive them and you will have them. In other words, here is a person, I don't know, maybe they've been seeking God for something and God by his spirit lays something on their hearts or maybe something has come out of the blue. I'm going to give you examples in a minute just to solidify all of this. And this is what the prayer of faith is. It's been given and the person knows before the answer has occurred that God has heard and that it will be answered. Have you ever had that happen? Elwin Davis. We all know how we can persuade ourselves that he has heard us, particularly when we're praying for the restoration to health for ourselves or of others and for similar serious matters. Only for that not to be true. Rather than bring dishonor upon God's name and the scriptures, it is better to be careful and to refrain from telling others about our expectation, other than close friends, 
until they have been fulfilled, then to bear witness to his glory. What do we mean? Let me give you a personal example. Please forgive me if you think I'm drawing attention to myself. When I was struggling with whether the Lord was calling me to this church, I really did not think that God was calling me here. I had this spiritual gut feeling that he was calling me, and I thought, don't be stupid. That can't be of the Lord. And the more I tried to fight against it, the more it would go away. So I wasn't trying to psych myself up. Ooh, maybe the Lord is calling you to Heath. I was trying to avoid it, but I couldn't avoid it. And I reached a stage, and I'm not saying this is the prayer of faith, but I'm trying just to get us to think here. I reached the stage where I had to say to the Lord, Lord, all right, I give up. I believe you are calling me to Heath. And I had such a peace, right? I had... I had such a peace. It looked impossible because the church was completely at loggerheads as to who should be called. But while you were unsure, I was absolutely at peace. And I was so sure that I rang Graham Harrison, the <laughs> rightly or wrongly, the mediator, and I said, Mr. Harrison, I didn't say I think the Lord is calling me. I said, the Lord is calling me to be the pastor of Heath. And do you know what he said to me? He said, keep your own counsel. If it's of the Lord, it'll come to pass. That's what Elwin Davis is saying. In our experience, maybe the Lord is laying something on your heart. Maybe like me, you're not sure if it's of God. My friend, if it's of God, there's no torment. If it's of God, eventually... Yield to him and be at peace. And often people who have experienced this prayer of faith, they just know, they just know. And you don't have to pray about it anymore. I didn't have to pray about coming to this church after that. I had to leave it with the Lord. He was going to answer. I didn't know how he was going to do that, but I knew that I was going to be called here. Even though it was an year and a half later when that happened. God giving that assurance. Uh, it can happen with healing. Um, when I was last living in Cardiff, I was attending the Welsh Evangelical Church. Phil Ellis, a godly man, one of the elders there then, he had a stroke. Some of you might know Phil. And it was very serious. And I, I prayed for him. I, I was in the bath. I can remember it. I wrestled in prayer for him. And then suddenly, I just knew I didn't need to pray anymore. I knew I didn't say that to him. Elwin Davis, keep your own counsel. But when God does answer, you can publish it abroad to the glory of God. I wonder, I don't want to pry into your spiritual hearts, but are there things that God has laid on your hearts? Believe. Don't beat yourself up. Believe. And if they're of him, they will come to pass. Now, sometimes, I just need to add this. We can say when we're uncertain, Lord, if it be your will. There's nothing wrong in saying that, right? If it be your will. That's the norm when it comes to prayer. So when I was praying first for Phil Ellis, I had to pray, Lord, if it be your will, heal him. But when you're given this prayer, it's no longer if it be your will. You know 
you know. Right, I just want to give a few examples from the history of the church, and then we'll go to communion. I don't want to spend too long here. If you've never read on this big subject, J.O. Fraser, have you heard of J.O. Fraser? The missionary to southwest China at the beginning of the 20th century. He experienced it and he wrote about it, the prayer of faith. It's only a little work. It's brilliant reading. It will get the juices, the spiritual juices going in you. Uh, he went there to Lisuland, and the people in Lisuland were into animism, magic, and all sorts of things. And you know what Fraser did? He didn't um, hold a, a, a conference as to how we're going to reach the Lisu. He didn't discuss communication techniques as to how we're going to get this gospel across to people who are into animism. He just spent time, I think it was many months, wrestling before God, just seeking God's face, not knowing exactly what to pray for, just waiting on God. We're not very good at waiting on God, are we? We tend to plan, to decide, and then ask God's blessing afterwards, just to quell the guilty voice of conscience. But Fraser was doing it the right way around. He was first waiting before the Lord to know what God would have him to do. And this was 1915, 1915. This is what he wrote. God blessed 1916 to 18, hundreds, I think 600 Lisu people were saved. 600 Lisu, imagine if 600 people were saved in this church. 600 people in a couple of years. 1916, 18, that happened. 1915, he was given the prayer. Notice the time difference. Now, this is what he wrote. After much pressure, even agony in prayer for Lisu converts, I was enabled to break through into liberty and to pray the definite prayer of faith. This is a specific prayer for signal blessing among the Lisu, much peace and rest of soul after making the definite prayer and almost ecstatic joy to think of the Lisu Christian families I'm going to get. And then after they were all converted, I believe it was January the 12th, 1915, I was definitely led to ask God for 600 Lisu. Some say your prayer has at last been answered. No, he says. I took the answer then, a few years before. And that's wonderful, that's wonderful. It wasn't just in faraway China, in this country, especially in times of revival. It's happened again and again. I haven't got time to give you many examples. Um, I keep on mentioning Welsh revivals, don't I? So let me mention the Scottish revival. Um, Kilsyth, 27th... Notice the, the definiteness, the dates here. 27th of July, uh, where are we? 1839. William Burns, who was to go as a missionary to China... He was only 24 years old. 24 years old. How old George is 26 years old? I think he's the youngest to have stood here. W.C. Burns was 24 years old, right? And there were 10,000 people. I don't know if it was communion meetings. Now, many were saved. Many were saved. And this is what happened before the revival broke. 
I have heard, he said, that some of the people of God, this is not a minister, this is normal Christian people like you and me, although I am a minister as well, <laughs> these normal people of God in Kilsyth who'd been longing and wrestling for a time of refreshing from the Lord's presence, they had much of uh, the previous nights been travelling in birth for souls and they came to the meeting where he was preaching not only with the hope but with the certain anticipation of God's glorious appearing. They knew that they'd been heard even before God came down. Isn't that wonderful? Given prayer, an assurance, and you don't have to pray anymore. <laughs> you just leave it with the Lord. Um, if you think this is only something that happens in revivals and for missionaries, uh, not on a personal level, um, can I mention um, quite a character, um, quite a curmudgeonly character, C.T. Studd, C.T. Studd, you've all heard of C.T. Studd. You, young people, have you heard of C.T. Studd? He was, he, he was a difficult man, but he was a man of God. Uh, he was in China the end of the 19th century, and they were short of money, him and his wife, Mr. and Mrs. Studd. Um, so what did they do about it? They took it to the Lord in prayer. Now, this is encouraging. After 20 minutes praying, that's not long, is it? 20 minutes, they knew, both of them at the same time, that the prayer had been heard and that they didn't need to pray anymore. They were in a very remote part of China, so the postman didn't come till two weeks after they prayed. Two weeks! For the poor, the poor missionaries were, oh man, struggling for two weeks. They knew God had heard them, and when the postman came, there was no letter with money in it in his bag. But C.T. Studd was sure that God had heard their prayer. So he took the bag from the postman and turned it inside out. And right at the bottom of the bag, there was a letter. That's how sure he was. And when they opened the letter, the man who'd sent the gift, he said in his letter, I was constrained of the Lord. Isn't, it? Oh, isn't our God kind? Working on both ends, leading the studs, to pray that and giving them that prayer and then directing a normal, ordinary Christian in this country to send that letter. I, I just find these things thrilling. Do you know what? The Christian life isn't a drudge. It's an adventure that I'm walking with the Lord. I'm talking with the Lord and he's talking with me and he directs us. And oh, my friends, we, we, sh we should be open to the leadings of the Spirit. I wonder how many things we miss because we are not often open to the leadings of the Spirit. I need to close. Maybe one more example. Um, the Evangelical Movement of Wales. How many of you have been to Brynner Groes, their conference centre in Bala? It's wonderful, isn't it? And Gwydion and Catherine Lewis are doing a grand work there at the moment. Do you know how that came into the possession of the Evangelical Movement of Wales? They used to own the house uh, next to it, Eryl Aran, a much smaller house. Uh, Gwilym Roberts, oh, a lovely man, and Elwyn Davis, the two leaders at the time. This is the 1950s, 1960s, I don't know, I've, I'm not very good with dates. And they needed a bigger place, and they were eyeing Brynner Groes. <laughs> and they knew it was beyond their means. It, it was beyond their means. I'm going to read the quotation from Noel Gibbard's book, because the details are important. When it comes to the prayer of faith, it's so definite 
like stud with the postman and the bag, the details are the key sometimes. So 1958, 1959, uh, that's when they were praying that somehow, this is just general prayer, that God would give them Brynne And then this happened. Gwilym Humphreys was given the prayer of faith for Brynne And he said, Elwyn, I couldn't call Elwyn Davis Elwyn, but Mr. Davis for me. But Elwyn, this is Gwilym Humphreys, God has heard our prayer. And it's not in the book, but Elwyn Davis did say to him, don't, he didn't quite say don't be stupid, but he, he said something to that effect. Because El, Elwyn hadn't that assurance that time. Gwilym Humphreys had that assurance. And do you know how it happened? Um, eventually, Elwyn had it. Both of them clung to that promise. Cling to that promise. When God assured me that he was calling me here, I managed to cling to the promise for a few months. And then when your world fell apart here, my world fell apart as well. Because I stopped clinging to the promise. But God was still in control. Now, sorry for saying that, but Gwilym and Elwyn still clung to the promise. And it looked impossible. Trousvenith Nuclear Authority were interested in Brynagroes. And Liverpool Corporation were interested in it. What hope did the EMW have? <laughs> so they went to see um, Elwyn and Gwilym, the owner, Mrs Johnston, who was selling it. And they found, to their surprise, that she was more than prepared to sell it to them for a much smaller sum. She felt strongly, this is God now directing her, that the property should be sold to an evangelical movement that would uphold traditional religious beliefs. And she'd been prompted, this is the spirit, to come to her surprising decision by a verse in the Times, the newspaper. And the verse said, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother. God using the times. Why, why do we doubt God? I'm not saying, my brothers and sisters, that if only we had enough faith that we could somehow uh, persuade God to do so many things. No, no, no. What I'm trying to say is this. Carry on praying according to the will of God in the name of Jesus Christ. But don't leave it at that. Seek God or wait upon God and then be sensitive to the leadings of his spirits. And if he by his spirit lays things on your hearts, start praying them through and maybe you will know a prayer, a specific prayer being given to you for somebody who's not saved, for some building maybe, next door to 122 is for sale, for something, missionaries, I don't know, preachers, oh, it will surprise you what the Lord can do. Do we believe in the God of the impossible? You know, I wish sometimes I could pray with... Do you know what Knox's prayer was? And it was answered. John Knox, the Scottish reformer, he prayed, Lord, give me Scotland. Wow. Or I die. And through Knox's ministry, Scotland was transformed. Even to today, it's still uh, bearing some of the fruits of John Knox's ministry. I can't even pray, Lord, give me Cardiff. <laughs> but can you pray, Lord, give me, give me somebody 
lay them on my heart. Uh, well, let's leave it at that. But, oh, I'm so grateful to be pastor of a praying church. I love this place. But may we go on with the Lord in our praying. May we not use prayer just at the end of planning meetings, but may we wait on God. That doesn't mean staying up all night. It may mean that. But just in our hearts, having this attitude of waiting on God, Master, speak. Lord, what will you have me to do for his namesake?